I'd just like to start by saying that this interview had a lot of technical difficulties, including both of our internet connections cutting out. So I tried to salvage everything that I could, and I think it turned out pretty okay. Thanks for listening, and I hope you like it. Just to preface this entire interview, I want you to give just a short synopsis of what Prog One is. Prog One is a Twitch-based puzzle platformer where you play an anthropomorphic computer virus that infects virtually everything it touches. And then along the way, you are also being told a story about these two scientists trying to create a digital universe, and it's hard. I don't want to reveal anything else because you have to play the game. But yeah, that's as concise as it can be. It's a really simple game at its core, but I think I added a lot to it that made it interesting as the game went on. So it turned out to be something way more than I expected it to be when I started the project. My name is AJ. Well, it stands for Anthony Jordan. My dad wanted to call me AJ, but my mom (laughs) didn't want me to have a two-letter name. Yeah. So I was forced into having a real name. All right. No one calls me anything other than AJ. It's a good name. It's a good name. Anthony's a good name. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, I just know I'm Anthony Gonzalez, and here in Southern California, that's everybody's name. <laughs> really? I mean, uh, like I was, I, I was like one of four Anthony Gonzalez's in my graduating class. I think that's insane. Up in uh, Northeast New York, there are no Anthony are Gonzalez. No <laughs> yeah, different places, different people. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you are the CEO, or what, what What kind of company is 9AR7K? 9AR7K is me. It's the name of my router, my first router that I ever had, like the, a Wi-Fi router. All it, right. It was given the name 9AR7K, and just friends coming over and like landing and stuff, always asking me for my router name, and I would just be like 9ARC, <laughs> and then they would get it. They would see the 9AR7K. I don't know, me and my friends just always like really liked Nine Arc for some reason. It just sounded really cool. So Yeah, um, no, I was not expecting that. That's actually really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I added the period though because it gives it like a little more depth. Yeah. You know. It seems yeah. distinguished. Yeah, yeah. So I'm Nine Arc. Some people call me Narc. Some people just call me Arc. I just right. like that nine AR seven K is like no one else can have that yeah. pretty much. I'm the developer of Prog One. Prog One, and the company name is 9.AR7K. Actually, that is my uh, moniker that I go by. Okay. Uh, the company is technically Vector Arcade, but it's really just made up of me and then some of my friends who are more talented than me. Right, that's actually what I wanted to ask you about, because when I was at the Steam page, I was like, I don't know which one of these links to follow, Vector <laughs> Arcade or 9 r Right. Vector Arcade is the company that I intend to build upon when my game, you know, inevitably becomes a, a super mega oh, hit. Obviously, obviously it's, I'm going to make billions yeah. of dollars. And so once that happens, I'm going to buy a building and then I'm going to go from there. Okay, so you're based in California, right? Yes, uh, Southern California. Riverside to be exact. But my friends prefer to say the greater Los Angeles area. So it sounds like, oh, yeah. you know, that we're in a much cooler position. Riverside. Yeah. Riverside. There's like 10 or 11 Riversides in the United States. So we're not very original. A lot of rivers, a lot of sides of the rivers. So you 
yeah. are the developer of a game called Prog One. But sorry, before we get into that, I looked up a little bit more, and there was a Prog Zero. So I kind of wanted to start there. Okay, so Prog Zero was my first attempt at making something that resembled a completed game. So I. I just decided because I've been a graphic designer like my whole life since I was 16. I've been doing designs for like bands and logos for companies and stuff. But I've always had like a deep inkling to be a game designer, but I just didn't feel like I had the knowledge to do it. And then one day I was just like, you know, f- it. And uh, I just looked up some tutorials for Game Maker and I made a game. And yeah, it's not a terribly amazing game. <laughs> yeah, it functions as a game. It it appears to be a game. It's actually. When I started making it, because the the idea for that, you know, you're a little you're a little dude virus, and you're going around, and like all the blocks you touch become infected in different ways. I don't even remember why I decided to do that. It just like I just was like, okay, I'm gonna make a platformer game, and then that was just what I decided on, and I went for it. And then once I finished it, I was like, man, I really need I want to revisit this idea, but I'm not a good enough game developer to like actually do it. I instead just did a bunch of game jams, like uh, made a bunch of just random games and different like demos and things over the course of like two years after Prog One. And I finally believed that I was ready to re-attack the the anthropomorphic virus infection idea, and so I did. And then that became Prog One. What role did you play in the uh, game jams? Were you the programmer or the artist? I was artist and designer. Um, for well, w- one of them, I actually was by myself, so I was I did everything, obviously. <laughs> but then the two other ones, I was primarily artist and designer. I came up with like how the games work, and I, it was cool. The first one I ever did, we just randomly got this guy on our team that was from Blizzard. <laughs> he just was like doing the game jam for fun, and like I, w- I just walked up to him. I didn't know who he was, and I was like, "Hey, do you have a? I'm an artist." And he's like, "Oh, I do everything." I found out later that he w- works at Blizzard, and that was cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, so. Um, so yeah, I mean, all that stuff. Mostly, yeah, mostly artist and and designer. Mostly coming up with how the game works and how the game looks. And then I'm not really much of a programmer. I just program because I have to. Yeah, I understand that struggle. All right, so that's good. Let's uh, before we get to the game specifically, let's talk about who you are. Um, you said you were graphic designing since 16. Did you get a uh, formal education in graphic design? I tried to. Well, what I did was I went to the Academy of Art for graphic design. And then I took my first graphic design class, and it was awful, and I hated it. And so I decided to switch to animation, um, which was a much better choice. But I, I, I spent a semester there, and I really enjoyed it. I, I, I failed all my classes except for um, my, my uh, drawing class, like a charcoal, charcoal class, uh, which I got a C in. So there's that. Nice. Um, then I left, and then when I got, I moved because that was in San Francisco. I moved back to Riverside, and then the art institute was close. So I was like, okay, well, might as well do that. I ended up doing game design there, and then I, I dropped out uh, after like two years. Yeah, I mean, I I'm self-taught, like for the most part. My dad got me like a vectorizing program when I was like 13, and I have been doing vector art ever since. And yeah, so I started doing it professionally when I was like 16 or 17 with for bands and eventually for my friends, parents, companies and things like that. So is graphic design your full time job? Are you a freelancer or do you work for a company? I've always been freelance uh, or not. That's not true at all. Actually, (laughs) Um, I was a graphic designer. Uh, You don't know if you're aware of Team Liquid. Yeah. Yeah, I used to be a designer for them. I did the Dota hero shirts. Most. Yeah, mostly I've been freelance my whole life. 
uh, doing websites and just everything that I can, any, pretty much anything digital and artistic, creative in any way, I've, I've always been drawn to. And, and I, whenever somebody needs something, like a lot of people know that I can just do it. So <laughs> it's like pretty easy to get jobs because like whatever people need, I know how to do it. Yeah, you've built the network, so now the clients come to you. Okay. Yeah, but I've been kind of staving off being a graphic designer, and um, now I actually make a lot of money. Not a lot of money, but I make some money selling assets on different stores. Yeah, like Unity and other stores like those? Yeah. Okay. So I do that, and yeah, I have a like just a bunch of random little tiny trickles of income that, that sort of amass into like a reasonable amount of money. And that's how you supplement developing games. Exactly, yeah. Because it's a lot of the stuff is I do once and then I just it just sells over time. So yeah. I don't have to upkeep or anything, which is really nice. Hmm, that's interesting. Would you consider yourself a part-time dev right now then? Or are you full-time at this point? I'm full-time at this point. Um, I'm still doing some, like, I do paintings for this one company, like, in San Francisco. And like, I just get random jobs from, like, close friends. But I usually kind of turn down a lot of things because... It's just not where I want to be and not what I want to be using my time doing. So I prefer to be working full-time on games. And so I am. Why did you decide to go full-time into games? You said, like, I mean, you had a pretty decent job with uh, freelance graphic design and stuff like that. What about video game development drew you in? Hmm. It's hard to say. I mean, I, I was in, like, AP Computer Science in high school, so I made a couple games in that class, but I barely remembered it. Um, I'm actually, I'm bipolar, and uh, a couple years ago, maybe four years ago, I had, like, a really intense uh, psychotic break, mm-hmm. and I was admitted to a mental hospital for a couple weeks, and now I take four medications. After being in the mental hospital, it, like, and, and coming down from it and realizing that, like, you know, life's too short to not do what you want to do. And even though I enjoyed doing graphic design and logos and stuff, I really wanted to be a game designer. And I realized that I could do it. And once I realized that, I had to pretty much. It was always been into games, but like not just playing games. Because that's a big misconception is that a lot of game devs don't actually play a lot of games. Because most of the time when we play games, it's just like studying. So it kind of feels like work a lot of the time. Yeah, it's analytical. Yeah, and it's kind of like that with a lot of things and in any profession, really. But yeah, I just decided that I wanted to be a game designer and, and I was like wasting my time kind of circling around being a game designer and I eventually... Just took the plunge. Yeah, I just jumped in and I love it. It's hard work and it's tiresome and grueling sometimes. <laughs> it's not all fun in games. It really isn't. Yeah. But I love it so much that like it's so worth it. I actually released Prog 1 in January. Um, on itch which i just because i had just really was like okay i'm gonna make frog one and then we'll see where it goes and i did it and i didn't get a lot of sales but i did get a lot of like notice people were messaging me about putting the game inside different bundles and different things <laughs> so that was kind of cool so that one point one company asked me put the game in a bundle and i did and then afterwards they were like so what are your plans with the game and i was like oh i don't know i mean i might just start a new project i haven't really thought about it and they were like, well, do you, are you thinking about putting it on Steam? And I was like, uh, yeah, I mean, I would like to. And they were like, well, we have like an, uh, we're opening up a new branch in our company to help out indies uh, get on green, green light and like that. So I was like, oh, sure, obviously I want to do that. <laughs> um, and a couple other people had, had messaged me like, and I don't want to speak figures, but they were like, you know, we'll, I'll put your game on Steam Greenlight, but it's going to be this amount of percent. And it was like a ridiculous amount yeah. just for like this company actually was like a really reasonable amount. So yeah, so my game got greenlit in like six days, wow. which was pretty crazy because I expected months. 
Yeah, no, that's that's great turnover time. So then I was like ready to release the game on Steam, and it was like the day before. And then my publisher were like, well, we just hired a new PR firm, and they want to go over the game, fix some things before we actually put it up on Steam. So I was actually really upset about that yeah. because I just wanted to release it and be done with it, you know, make however much I made and move on and do another project. But that makes sense because if they're being your publisher, it, the game kind of represents them in a way, so they would want to go over it. Exactly. So, I, you know, at first I was upset, but then I had a meeting with all of them, my publisher and then the new PR people, and they were like really cool, really nice, and they, they were actually really helpful. And so... Um, they have a built-in, I mean, they have people that do QA for them. So my game is being tested by actual people who, you know, not just my friends who are just like, oh yeah, this game is hard. Yeah, yeah. Which was crazy. So I ended up fixing a bunch of stuff and then being prepared for release. And then they were like, well, we want to change some things more. And then there ended up being a big lull time. And I was just like, well, if we're going to make the game like this expensive, because I was like $3.99 is like what I wanted to do. Yeah. But they were like, no, 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 $6.99. So I was like, well, if that's the case, like I'm going to add new levels. So I actually made twice as many levels as I had originally for the Steam release because I wanted the game to be worth more, you know? Yeah, yeah. More value. More content. Yeah. Yeah, more more value, more content. So I did that. And yeah, and I don't know. I mean, it was weird because I didn't expect to, I, I expected to be done with Prog 1 so long ago. And it's been like five months now, <laughs> yeah. you know? And it's all just a blur because it's like fixing bugs and like I expected to release like a couple weeks ago, but then another thing got pushed back and like there's another just a bunch just a bunch of stuff, you know. So it's been a it's been a roller coaster. Like not even actually developing the game, just like dealing with like marketing. And I ha- I'm making posters like you know once a week or something. Really. To see if I can get more interest. Yeah. So is is the release date dead set now? No, no, okay. it's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you the are you the solo dev here, or do you have anyone that's helped you with this project? I am the solo dev as far as the game is concerned. I have a good friend that I make music with a lot, and me and him did music for the new levels that I had made. And then I had another friend, uh, Spaceman X, and he did all the music for the first half of the game. Yeah, so the music I w- was a part of, but Bryce... He did like most of the music, really. I kind of just produced and oversaw. Gave him direction. Yeah, I mean, you know, I helped. I did some like leads and stuff, but nothing crazy. And then my girlfriend actually plays the female character in the game. I was gonna ask you about the voiceovers and who who did what because they're pretty interesting. So yeah, my my girlfriend is not actually British, um, <laughs> but she did go to school in Scotland for four years. Wow. Yeah, she actually has an acting background. Like she was she was in theater in high school, and you know. Stuff like that. So she's and she's really good at accents. So it was fine. It was perfect for her to do that part. And then my friend Aaron, who's actually in my rap band with Spaceman X, <laughs> called the Away Team. He is just available all the time, and I needed somebody to play uh, the the male doctor. And I had gotten I tried to get one of my friends to do it, but he was being kind of like iffy about it. Actually, I do a voice in it too, but it's the secret ending, so you can't know about it. Oh, sorry. No, I won't. <laughs> I, won't I won't dig too much into that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, other than that, oh, what I was going to say is that I programming, I use the word loosely because I actually, I used GameMaker for a little while, which has like a scripting language, which is really nice. I really enjoyed using GameMaker. I came across this program called Construct 2, and it had really easy HTML export options that were free. They weren't free, but they came with the program. So I ended up just starting to build it in there, thinking I was just going to prototype it out and then like rebuild it in GameMaker or something else, depending on where it was. 
but it ended up being totally like a fine platform for me to make all of Proc 1, and I really enjoyed using it. It's actually, because the programming language there, it's not code. You don't type out, you know, X plus equals 1 or whatever to make things go. You drop in little blocks, and you make these like like series of events kind of things. It's all like clicking on things. and It's much more visual than yeah, technical. Yeah, and so I don't know. I just preferred it. It just... it. It felt right to me. Right. So yeah, so I, I used that to make Frog 1, and it ended up being like a totally... The only problem is it doesn't have full support for Steam, like all the Steam stuff. Like it's fine. It's on Steam. Like I can play it right now on my Steam account because I have secret developer. Ooh, access. Yeah. It doesn't have full Steam support, and I really want achievements for this game because it's kind of a game that kind of requires achievements in my opinion like it's a platformer game and you want to do things fast and get all the things and make sure that you like beat the game 100% so I really want there to be achievements for that and there was a guy making a plugin for it that's supposed to be done last month so I was like preparing to release the game that then and then he pushed it back another month so it should be done sometime soon but um I'm probably I'm actually probably just going to save all the achievements into uh, like a save file and then when I can actually get the achievements and retroactively give everyone their achievements. Yeah, and just update the game. Yeah, because at this point, it's like I'm, I've been waiting for it, and it's not worth it to keep waiting and keep pushing the date back further and further. Yeah, it's time to move on. Yeah, exactly. What are your goals? Do you want to be a full-time dev? Well, you are a full-time dev, but do you <laughs> want to own your own studio? I know you said earlier about your big uh, Vector Arcade tower. Yeah. Or do you want to become employed at like another studio? What, where do you see yourself going? In my head, I really want to have my own studio. I have a team of people, and we have an office and shit. Yeah. I mean, I guess I wouldn't be opposed to working somewhere else, but I feel like my skill set isn't exactly like employable because everyone says this. Like, I've talked to everyone in game development will tell you that being a jack of all trades, master of none, has no place in the game industry. Yeah. That's what I am. So I don't know. I I can't not <laughs> I can't not be who I am. So, yeah, I mean, I, the logical choice would be to have my own company, a small company with just, like, a programmer, like, a dedicated artist, and then I stick to mostly design and then, like, concepting and things like that. That's my ideal situation. Right, so just a small indie studio. Yeah, yeah, and nothing crazy. I mean, I do want a building, but that's beside the point. Yeah, I mean, you don't need a, you don't need a Taj Mahal or anything. <laughs> yeah, I just want, like, a little, like, like a very small office with maybe like two little offices and, and like coffee machine, you know, <laughs> this is the simple things. What color are the walls? The walls are like a, like a light teal and then complemented by like a dark brown um, with like highlights of like a, like a, like a really bloody wine red. I think. Yeah. I can see that working. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You want to talk about your game now? Oh yeah, that's right. That's what we're here about. All right. So, First off, I kind of want to like just to give people who are listening a reference. What what would you consider two other games that kind of served as inspirations or like maybe similar games? My first choice is 140. Have you has anyone heard of 140? <laughs> I like this podcast if you've played 140. I see 140 and I can I already just from one little screenshot can see what you mean. Yeah. It's actually made by um, one of the guys from the Limbo team, the the, the guys that made Limbo. Yeah, I know Limbo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like one of the guys. It's his, his like passion project. And uh, I one day I just saw it and I was like, this is the game that I want to play. Like I just want to play this game. 
I know I do. And I bought it, and I beat it in like 30 minutes. Wow. But it was so worth it. Like, it was such a great little game. It did everything right. It got puzzle platforming, like, exactly right. And it's also a music-based, like, game. Like, the, the platforms, like, move and come in and out and stuff to a, to a song. And it, the song is at 140 BPM, and that's why it's called 140. So, yeah, so that game really inspired me because I had played it before I started right around the time when I was like, okay, I'm going to start making video games. And that game just kind of, I was drawn to. So, there's that. And then I don't want to say Super Meat Boy, but I have to, I think. <laughs> was it the game that inspired you or just like the success of an indie? No, what I really liked about it was that like it wasn't afraid of being hard. Right. OK. I feel like there's this idea that when you play a game, it's like you got to hold everyone's hand and like tell them, you know, like press A to climb up the ladder and like, you know. And, right, in a world before, like, Dark Souls yeah. really took off and stuff like that. There yeah. were a lot of games doing that. You just kind of press right and then press B and A, and then you win the game. I don't know. I, I So would you say your game is hard? Yeah, oh yeah, it's definitely hard. Yeah, I I wanted it to be that way. I really... I also There's a double jump mode in the game, so you, it's easier, I guess. So, like, that's the only thing that changes is you're able to double jump or platforms further away? No, you, you are able to double jump. It's okay. The double jump mode is really for people who just want to experience the game and listen to the story. Yeah, um, like the Witcher 3 uh, narrative mode or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. So, so I, I guess those are... And then, like, um, I used to play a game called Tomba. Probably no one's played that either. Yeah, I don't know. I just like platformers. I just, I just have a... Uh, it's deep in my soul. All right. Well, that leads into my next question is why a 2D platformer? Is it just because you've played so many platformer games that, that it just speaks to you now or what? I think it's more the opposite of that. When I played 140, I was like, why aren't more games like this? I don't understand. In this like weird Twitter game dev family thing where I know like a lot of the like game devs like that are making games right now. And I just noticed this like like sameness. Of these games where they're like they're like two D Minecraft or like they have the same kind of like cave like structure and <laughs> everything's just really like it's just like kind of like showing off how good the artist is at pixel art and it doesn't seem like there's any game. It just made sense to me. Did you think you could do it better? Yeah, I would say that. I thought this hasn't been done, or even if it has, it hasn't been done right and it should be. So I wanted to fill a gap in everyone's games library. All right. Earlier, I believe you mentioned um, in, the virus infection mechanic. Could mm-hmm. you like go and explain that a little bit? Like, what what does that mean? Does the, do the platforms just all disappear, or are there different like reactions to different types of platforms? Yeah, both. So originally, so in Prog Zero, there are only three blocks, or there's four, I guess. Yeah, one of them, if you touch it, it go it waits like a second and a half, and then it disappears completely from the level. Forever. And then there's one if you stand on it, it like glitches away, and then after like a second and a half, it comes back. Um, and then there's one that doesn't glitch away because it's too secure. So basically, as a virus, everything you touch it becomes infected in some way or another. And then slowly, as you progress through the game, there's different kinds of platformer platforms that like react differently to you being on it. There's some that move when you're standing on them. There's some that teleport to different sides. Um, so in the story. 
Let's see. Play as an anthropomorphic computer virus in Prague 1, a 2D puzzle platformer. And then the story beats are when the world-renowned scientists Dr. Cushing and Dr. Keiko are assigned to the secret Gaia project. Their attempt to construct a digital universe takes a turn for the worse when they accidentally unleash a sentient computer virus. I want to yep. first ask, what, does, what do the uh, GAIA for the Gaia project, what do those stand for? It's a secret. Oh, okay. Gaia is the program, and then... Eden is the um, the machine. They built a special machine computer to run uh, to run Gaia, which is their AI digital universe okay. program. So yeah, just more a little bit about the game. Uh, just some quick ones. Like, how long is the average playthrough? Would you say for someone who's never touched it, how long from when they start to when they finish? It's hard to say. You said there's there's forty levels, or how many levels? Are there? There's forty eight levels. Forty eight. Okay. The difficulty curve raises pretty exponentially so it really kind of depends on the player like my friend chris can beat the whole game in like like 30 minutes maybe less but um other people like some people can't beat it <laughs> like some people get stuck um even in double jump mode but uh i would say probably an average would be two hours okay so someone that's like comfortable with platformers could probably do it like an hour hour and a half yeah yeah and if you're a wizard, then 30 minutes sounds like the standard to beat. Yeah. I have his time de- written down somewhere. It's actually an achievement to beat him at the game. Really? Do you think, um, actually kind of based around the time, do you think there's going to be like a speedrunning community? I hope so. I kind of have built the game around the idea that it is. Um, it actually has a couple different modes. You can do 100 lives mode. So you only have 100 lives to beat the whole game. Or there's one life mode, which I'm pretty sure is actually impossible. Pretty sure you cannot beat my game without dying unless... Have you done it? No, not even close. <laughs> not even close. But you have beaten it? Um, I have beaten it, yes. Many, okay, many, good. many, many times. <laughs> Just making sure. Yeah. All right, so earlier you actually mentioned that there were collectibles. What type of collectibles are those? And do they uh, do anything else than just like act as a trophy? Like, hey, I collected all this stuff? Yes, they do. They are actually spoilers? Hold on. I mean, trying to. Th- How can I say this without spoiling anything? Basically, Do they give narrative plot? Yeah. Like... Yeah. So um, there are, I think, 12 of them in the first half of the game. They are text files that are ambiguous until you collect all of them, pretty much. And then you can kind of piece together what they're talking about. So, yeah, it's a it's sort of a little prequel. Yeah, they 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 have narrative points to them. Yeah. Okay, uh, how, uh, that leads me into, like, how did you create the story? Because when I watched the trailer, it seemed pretty pretty solid and unique. Um, was there any, like, inspiration for that, or how, how did that come about? I really like computers. Um, I really like science fiction, and I really like Tron. And uh, I don't know, I just, because, like, I, I, write story, I write short stories when I'm, like, when I don't feel like doing anything else, like, when I don't want to be like drawing or i don't know it just kind of fell into place like it i kind of had been thinking about what would happen throughout the game as i was like after prog zero i decided i was like thinking the whole time like okay how do i want to like what story do i want to tell and how do i want to approach this like idea and things the story kind of fell into place just over time yeah just over time it just made it made sense to go the direction i went and it was just something that like it's, it's sort of tron e in a way, like building a digital universe, going into a computer kind of thing. So yeah, I, d- I just like that kind of stuff. 
Um, what kind of diversity is there in the gameplay? I think in the trailer I saw like a trampoline-looking thing. Maybe? I guess the diversity in the game comes from trying to figure out how to traverse the level without destroying the floor underneath you uh, or destroying the wrong block so you can get to the next part of the level. There's a lot of kind of like you can take long routes if you can't figure out, you know, the most uh, the most uh, efficient way. Yeah, efficient way. Exactly. Yeah. So there's um, different enemies do different things. There's some that aim at you and shoot. There's some that just shoot in the, your general direction and you can bounce off them. There's teleporting blocks. There's blocks that move, blocks that disappear over time. So there's a lot of platforming like standards, pretty much. Where yeah, a lot of different yeah yeah pretty pretty standard, but I think they're utilized in a in a kind of unique way because of how the mechanic- definitely with the infection mechanic yeah yeah with the mechanic it gives it like an a, interesting fresh feel I, I feel to the to the genre that I don't yeah. think has ever really been explored properly. A lot of those are common like blocks that you stand on too long fall down but you're like in the context of your game it's different because you're you're a virus that's actually infecting it you're you're causing it's not like oh you're heavy so the block is falling right or when you touch it it crumbles or whatever yeah so like it has like an in-game significance I, i would say and that's kind of what i like i really i really like the idea of making mechanics and story mesh together like a a concept is not just like oh I mean, everybody loves Shovel Knight, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shit on it or anything. People are like, "Oh, it's like such an interesting mechanic. Like you're a knight, but you have a shovel." I just feel like that's a mechanic and not a story. You could argue all day about how you know that's the point of the game, blah blah blah. But whatever. I don't know. I I just feel like I like the idea of every the mechanic is very purposeful. Other than retroactively like adding achievements, do you have any plans for future development? Or once you're done with this and you added the achievements, you're done, you're moving on. It's been like two years. <laughs> I don't know because I don't actually have any real knowledge of what releasing a game on Steam means. Like, does it mean I'll get 100 downloads or does it mean I'll get 1,000? Like, will it be featured? Will I make real money? And so I don't actually know the answer to any of those questions. So depending on the success of the game, you'll you'll decide from there? Exactly. Because like when I finished the first game, Prog 1 version 1.0, we'll call it, at the end I was like, oh, there's like so many more things I could have done to make like, you know, new levels and new things. And but I was like, you know, I'm done with it. But then when all the publisher and everything happened and then I was like, oh, well, now I have an opportunity to like expand upon it. But even even after that, I was still like I could still like I know that there's more possibilities I can still explore. Uh, If people want to play it, like if if Prog 1 is a success and people want more, like I would not be opposed to making a Prog 2 or Prog 1.5 or something. What do you consider a success? If I make thousands of dollars. (laughs) Yeah, and as a new developer, having a fully fleshed out game under your belt, I think, adds a lot. Yeah, that's true. I, I think that's it. Any, do you have any last words, mentions, social media plugs, things like that? I'll try and add them to show notes if I figure that out. If I don't, <laughs> uh, they'll be here in audio format for people to look at. Last words. I want to thank um, I want to thank myself for working hard and um, finishing something. I think it was like really big. Cause like when I finished my first album, I like literally cried. And just finishing something feels so good. Like something significant being done with it is like so. I actually really do want to thank like all my friends and my girlfriend for everything because especially because I'm bipolar, uh, a lot of shit happened. I, I racked up a credit card. 
I ran across the street in my underwear. I did, I did seriously crazy stuff. Literally a crazy person things. So everyone was really supportive. My mom was like the most supportive person that exists on the earth. So anyway, yeah, all those people. One day you'll listen to this and go, oh, AJ, remember when you didn't have any money and you were <laughs> unsuccessful and boring and lame and ugly and stupid? No longer. <laughs> That's my prediction for the future. And then social media plugs, I guess. I'm, uh, if you just Google the number nine, the letter A, the letter R, the number seven, and the letter K on Google, I just show up. Yeah, that's what I did. I Googled 9AR7K, and then there's just a list of things that come up, whether it's uh, gaming websites or just Twitter and stuff like that. There I am. So yeah, uh, I'm sure there will be a word that will be written somewhere. So in case you couldn't understand my perfect dialect. So yeah, so just follow me and stuff. Look up Vector Arcade. That's my company. I need more followers on my Vector Arcade Twitter. So that Vector Arcade, no dash though, just Vector Arcade. Yeah, and that's basically it. There we go. Jesus. It seems like the gods are not on our side. <laughs> I know. They don't want Prague to be revealed. Hey. Hello? That might have actually been me. That was you. I checked. Okay. <laughs> Alright. Thank God. I was, I was about to go crazy. You there? Uh-oh.